0: The Game Schooler Podcast is a weekly audio show that highlights the educational value of tabletop gaming. In this week's episode, we'll cover Seven Wonders, our recommended game of the week, discuss attitudes in gaming, integrity in the school of gaming, and wrap it up with a high five roll and write games. <laughs> Welcome to the Game Schooler Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Kotecki, along with my co-host, Dr. Michael McCabe. How's it going, Michael? Doing great, Doug. How are you? I am fantastic. Well, it looks like the cat is out of the bag, so we might as well spill it now. Yep, let them know. We are a officially part of the Dice Tower Network, which we are happy to be there. Yep,
1: I'm so excited. I have... Just ripped my shirt off. You can see my Dice Tower tattoo that I have on my chest, standing in front of you. Yeah, it, looks like you, you got a
0: tattoo on on Flexing your eight pack
1: there. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, very excited to be a part of the Dice Tower Network, and along with a lot of other great shows that we've been listening to for a long time. Um, so to be in that company is is awesome. So when did you first start listening to the Dice Tower? Oh, you're gonna put me on the spot. Well, they have over seven hundred episodes in their flagship show. I, I think I'm three years in, maybe, two and a half years in. Um certainly not as long as you. I mean, were had you even hit puberty
0: yet, Doug? No, I don't think I, okay. Uh, have I yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, good good point. What what have age I yet? Or, what age
1: were you when you started listening to the Dice Tower? What, eight?
0: Yeah, were yeah, well, you in your teens? No, I wasn't in my teens. I was married. And I had yeah, but you got married when you were like 17, <laughs> ducks. So what have we done? Well, when you make it sound like that, I was a child bride. Um, no, I mean I was married. We didn't have kids, so at least 10 years.
1: Isn't that amazing? Everything tracks to before kids and after kids. Yeah, BK. Yep, yep. BK, BK. AK. AK. Good.
0: Um, Good. Yeah. So we're very happy and excited to be part of that uh, family and that was announced on the Summer Spectacular that they had this past week.
1: Yeah, if you want to see a great video, uh, you can go and check us out. We're out there
0: somewhere in the interwebs. In in all 48 hours of streaming that they did. (laughs) Um, The other thing I wanted to talk about was a game that you and I played last week that we think will probably, I don't want to get into too much detail, but there's a very good chance that it'll end up as a recommended game of the week. Yeah. So let's give some fair warning for that coming up. And that was Summer Camp, which is a Target exclusive, I believe. Designer is Phil Walker-Harding. who Sushi Go, silver and gold. Uh, yes, very uh, uh, gizmos. Yeah. Very prestigious designer, and it is a really good game. It's yep. a deck-building game and has all of those... The same thing that Sushi Go does for deck building, I think, or for drafting games, I think this kind of does for deck building. So we're going to dive into it a little bit more, but.
1: Probably in just a few episodes. I mean, I think you and I will be playing that again. There's so many skills in that, especially, I mean, I think we could find five sub skills all related to decision making in that game. Uh, Yeah,
0: great, great game. So a good first impression. So that's on our radar. Uh, Anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, I
1: played a a game with my kids this week, and it was new to me, and it was just one of those serendipitous moments where I'm ending work. My wife was also working at home at the same time, and um, I said, pick out a game. And uh, Maggie, my middle daughter, picked out Mondrosity, and Eliza's like, ooh, let's play that. And I kid you not, it was like a three-minute teach And So just opened the game up. We took it out of the bag and and started playing, uh, drawing some monsters and making some guesses and uh, a lot of fun. So that's another game that I think I'm going to try to bring back to the table the next time we're playing games with our daughters so that you and I can see that game in action and really look at some of the different skills because of... It was just a new genre. you know there are a lot of flip and draw type games that are out there. Mm-hmm. but I don't think there are a lot that we've that I've played with with my children. you know what I mean that that really come into that game schooler uh, certifiable list
0: so yeah, and that doesn't totally require artistic ability, correct um, a-
1: I don't know if you heard the part I know you were getting her audio levels primed, but <laughs> I played the game, Doug, Okay. I, I also I want to let you know I got my game. I got my two pens stuck together too, so I was a little distracted with that. Okay, all right. And I got a dancing I'm monkey glad you over took here. Care of that. Yeah. I draw back screens, curl screens, down screens, and ball screens, and players interchanging. That's all that I draw. So if I were able to play this game, it turned out just fine. anyone. Can. Yeah. yeah. All right. And then, oh, no, okay. the, the other thing, since we're in yeah. the Dice Tower network, and before we move on, and maybe you'll edit this out, but do you have a, a favorite show other than um, Dice Tower? You know, whether it's uh, Dice Tower now, their news show, or Ludology, or Broken Meeple, or anything.
0: Uh, nothing on the network. I mean, I love the top ten lists that they do on the video channel. Yeah, on the YouTube you're, channel. You're a YouTube fanatic. Yeah, so tower. I like that, um, and I I like. Yeah, I like that. I, w- I was going to say I on the the audio on the their podcast version they do their uh top 10s a little bit different and I yep. like the ones on the video more. They go into a little bit more detail. So, cool. well, I just think that's something that I I want to start bringing to our listeners
1: more. Just other podcasts and there's so many good shows and media that's out there in the world of board gaming and education, so
0: All right, well, let's move on to our Recommended Game of the Week. Hard to believe this one hasn't been recommended yet, but we will dive into it.
1: The Recommended Game of the Week is a family-friendly game we think you should add to your collection. And it passes our stringent criteria for quality and content. This week's game is Seven Wonders by Repost Productions. Doug, give us the stats.
0: Published in 2010, the designer is Antoine Bauza. The art is going to be horribly <laughs> Get pronounced. It, Doug. Get it, All right. Doug. Dimitri, Dimitri Chapu, Miguel Coimbra, Etienne Hebinger, and Cyril Novell. <laughs> All right. I am no longer going to drink mineral water in the middle
1: of you reading the names. I usually go in really strong on the recommended game of the week, so I need a little
0: something. And then you say the names of those artists. I feel like a telemarketer. All right. Like, am I talking to. Hello, it's Miguel Coimbra there? And I could be horribly butchering no, that. No, you gave me out Coimbra. That, that was that, that the was one the out of four one. that you got right. <laughs> All right, two to seven players. It plays in about 30 minutes, ages 10 and up. Here's a litany of an awards for Get you. Get ready, folks. The 2011 Spiel des is Kenner Spiel de Jahres winner. That's the Advanced Game of the Year. Uh, the 2011 Golden Geek Best Family Game winner. The 2011 Golden Geek Best Card Game winner. And the 2010 Dice Tower Game of the Year winner. According to the publisher, 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 publisher. Yep, you are the leader of one of the seven great cities of the ancient world. Gather resources, develop commercial routes, and affirm your military supremacy. Build your city and erect the architectural wonder, which will transcend future times. Uh, seven wonders last three ages. In each age, players receive seven cards from a particular deck. Choose one of those cards, then pass the remainder to an adjacent player. Players reveal their cards simultaneously, paying resources if needed, or collecting resources or interacting with other players in various ways. Players have individual boards with special powers on which, on which to organize their cards, and the boards are double-sided. Each player then chooses another card from the deck they were passed, and the process repeats until players have six cards in play from that age. After three ages, the game ends. So, Are you it, done reading that description yet? Yeah, hey. Okay. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good one for oh actually describing goodness. the game. Seven yeah. Wonders is a drafting game. I feel like I'm just going to explain what I just <laughs> I know that. I knew that's <laughs> what you're going to do. Go ahead. So, I'm not even going to bother. The description is very Well, good. let's just
1: tell them about the game. This is one of your favorites, right? It's a good I mean, game. You love Seven Wonders it's a good and game. some Antoine Bowser. Yeah. I'm not I say you have to justify that. It's a good game. It's on our list for a reason. It's Been around since 2010. Tell
0: folks why you like the game. Well, it's got several things. One of them is it's got fast gameplay regardless of the player count. So you can play this game with all seven players and the game is not going to run that much more than a four-player game. You know, sometimes you have games that you play and it's, uh, you know, the three-player game is a a 40-minute game and then the five-player game is three and a half hours. This is not one of those games. You can add players without adding to the time. And the fact that it goes up to seven players is is awesome. Um, the other thing I kind of like is that the choices... There's a lot of solo play in this. You're building your own civilization. And you can be playing with seven ga- uh, seven players, but the only players that are really directly impacting you are the player to your right and the player to your left. And I feel like that gives me... Sometimes in a drafting game, it's hard to keep track of what everyone is doing. It's a little bit easier to just keep track of what my two neighbors are doing. And I like that about that because I don't have the brain capacity. I'm not a doctor, per se, like somebody here. Stop it. That can keep track of what all five players are looking out for in drafting. You know I don't have that capability. No, you don't. All right, thanks. All right, thanks. (laughs) I just wanted to
1: make sure that there wasn't – I didn't go home with a warm fuzzy that I didn't deserve. So – I, I think I'm just going to rephrase that and reframe it so our listeners who are not familiar with drafting games kind of get the gist of what you're saying. I need to select cards off of a table. The cards that I take are going to go down in front of me, and seven of them are going to be used in an age, basically during that phase. So you're, could, you're taking 6 you're six taking of the seven. six, right, right. So if there are six other players at the table... The only people I really need to be concerned about are the people right next to me. Yep, and, on the and, other side. And I, I really like that part of the game uh, as well. The The pace is just outstanding.
0: It's fast, it's fun, and it's fruitful. You build
1: something as you play it.
0: Yeah, I think I like... The other thing I like about this is it's got a... a not what some people would consider, but I would consider it has elements of this. This is a sandbox feel that allows you to explore multiple different paths to victory which is one of the nitpicks of the game for me is that it can be difficult to teach i remember the first time i taught this to my brothers and it was like well how do you win and it's and the problem is like well, you can go three there there are
1: four different ways you can win
0: <laughs> well yeah. you can win if you do a military strategy you can win if you go after the sciences you can win if you go after the civic building like you can do a whole bunch of different things and there's no one thing it's just like have the most points at the end of the round but there yeah. are multiple ways to do that. And it's one of the things that I simultaneously like as a, as a game player, but then, you know, it is something that's harder to kind of explain. It's like, just try it. You just got to get somebody to try the game once and and see what happens. During the game,
1: right? Yeah, And that's what I like at the end of the game I I wrote down how or why did I do this right? Like what what was I thinking? I I had the two military, but then I didn't get any more military cards, and so then I went towards a different track, and I, well, I like that part at the end.
0: Well, and that lo- the the sandbox feel is what I wrote down is allows gamers to pivot easily, you know. So maybe like you said, you went after the military. Well, maybe you didn't see any more military cards yep. and you've got to be able to pivot and go to different directions. And I like that. I like those options that's like, oh, I went military and now I've got nothing and I'm going to lose. You don't have that. And then, you know, they, everybody starts with a wonder board. That wonder board provides a little bit of a starting guidance because in order to complete your wonder, you have to, you, you know, you need certain resources. And so you're kind of Getting a little bit of a game plan of what resources you might be looking out for. It gives you a starting resource, so you're building up from there. And it's like just a little bit of a nudge. It's not as much there's an expansion leaders that I think does a better job of giving um, giving you that direction. But this one just gives you that slight little nudge of, you know, if you've got the, the Colossus of Rhodes, I believe yeah. you're, you're going after military. Yep. You know, that gives you a strong you're military get extra start. for the military that you have. Um, yep. So. I like that about that. Ready for a made up word?
1: Yep. Puzzle E. So the word puzzle with an extra E on the end. Or a Y. You could put a Y at the end. Mm, I chose to go with an extra E on the end. Like bungee. Puzzle (laughs) E. Puzzle E. Is and it a big, large capital E? My, my like one word easy E? Nope, nope. Two two lower E's. Oh, okay, okay. My my one word connection with that is thinking. I like the puzzly nature of this game. Although it's fast, although the pace is moving, and you can change, it's, you, you can be very tactical during the game. There's a puzzly nature to the game um, that that I really like about it that. I don't
0: get with all drafting games, but in Seven Wonders, I do. Yeah, there's a few more moving parts in there. Uh, The other thing is, you know, we talk about building skills here on this podcast. Seven Wonders has an abundance of subject-building branches as an educator or as a parent that you could get lost down rabbit holes. If you're talking about ancient civilizations, you're talking about the actual Seven Wonders. You're talking about technology and uh you know civilization building just all of that type of stuff i mean there's cards that's like a barracks right you, i mean you could spend a, a a day on talking about what barracks are and who used them and and how they they fit into that that ancient world right so the lighthouse of alexandria the colossus of Rhodes. Yeah, all yeah i mean you're yeah. you step away from giza to the sphinx to ancient egypt to pharaohs all branching Drop it off on of him this. Doug? Yeah, tell them about it. God, I know things. <laughs> yeah. I watch the History Channel. <laughs> good, good. I, I so, just go to Wikipedia. Oh, okay, well, that's right. fairly accurate. Uh, <laughs> the last thing I want to say is the I love the art and design of the second edition. They came out with a second edition recently, and it's got like a little bit of a Art Deco type. Uh, feel a to the gold
1: trim on it there. yeah
0: and yeah. it it's it, the art in the first edition is not bad so if you come across it but and they you they reuse the same art on the cards and stuff like that but yeah. just the presentation of it i think is a lot more neat they took some of the design elements from the two-player game that was released seven wonders duel that came out and incorporated them into the second edition any any other pros for you no no pro. No, any any nitpicks? I have one, but I feel like I'm going to get destroyed.
1: Like you might draw drop the people's elbow on me. Or mm-hmm. what was Roddy Roddy Piper's finishing move? A I, sleeper hole. The sleeper hole. <laughs> it was. It was just an old fashioned sleeper. Just a hold? sleeper hole. Yeah. No wonder why that escaped my mind. Um This is not the highest on my list. So if I had a, a time capsule with ten games, and I I wouldn't put Seven Wonders in there. I don't know if that's just because of the age of it, or if there are other games that I like, but I know other folks. It, it is, and it's it's one that I I really like Seven Wonders Duel, the the two player version of it. So, not that that should even be a nitpick. I, I think from a game schooling standpoint, this game is fantastic. Well, it has everything in it: the skills, the subjects, the social interaction, the game mechanics, but. But it just doesn't get to the
0: table as often as it should in my house. And do you have a, a lot of experience with playing with higher player counts? Like I have don't you played it with four or five because I think I, that's the difference. I is, don't
1: think I have. I think it's only two or three where I've played it.
0: Yeah, and you get once you get up to that fourth level, you know, because yeah. there's a different. It's a different game knowing. You know, you're playing with three players. Yeah, you're going to see some of those cards again. Good. You play with seven seven players, you're never seeing a card in your hand again. So it makes the decisions a little bit different. Um, The only nitpick I have for this game is that, and I think this is true for all drafting games, it's not Seven Wonders specific, but it's one of those that in order to play a drafting game, You need to play it at least once or twice to get a feel of the cards. And if you think about that on a sports level, that would be like going into a draft and not knowing any of the players. It's like, I think I'm going to pick Michael Jordan, or I think I'm going to pick Sam Bowie. Don't pick Sam Bowie. (laughs) You know, so... Oh, Rod Thorne. Well done, Rod. You need to know... They had Clyde Drexler. I know what they're doing. Um, (laughs) You need to know what is in the, the pool before yeah. you start drafting and you get comfortable. So it's, it's always one where I recommend one or two test games and then we're all on the same page. Man, Doug, I don't want to give you the satisfaction, but you're in my head a little bit. I, you know
1: what I want to do right now? I want to take seven wonders into a classroom and just take four copies and play it with 28 kids, you know, and just max out the classroom. We brought seven wonders. Yeah. I'd like to see it in action in a classroom now.
0: Um, Because of the things that we're about to talk about. Hit them with it, Doug. All right. On the surface, doesn't seem like this type of game would be educational, even though we just spent the last five minutes telling you why it is educational. We have created a list of five skills we think your kids and students can learn from a game like this. What do you got, Michael? All right. Just hit the big juggernaut right out of the gate. It
1: starts with a T and ends with tactical. Is that the one that you were thinking? Oh, uh, most definitely. Tactical, a.k.a. the Koteki skill of the week. Every week, <laughs> tactical thinking. It's a game that challenges students to make decisions based on currently available and frequently changing information. And what I have come to terms with is tactical thinking skills... I don't think they're in every board game, but I do think they are in most of the game schooler recommended games that 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 we recommend. The games that we bring to the table, fast-paced. You have to think quickly, and they're not going to punish you if you don't make the best decision. And yeah. that's that's where I do really like Seven Wonders. It's a forgiving game. Yeah. You could take a chance in that first stage, and, oh, it might not have worked out. But then in the second age, maybe you do get the cards to line up, and it, it does work out for you. So I, th- it's tactical, but it's not punishing. And yeah. I, does well, that make sense? I,
0: no, I agree 100%. I think that's one of the hallmarks of once you start getting into heavy, longer games, you're going to get into more strategic thinking and long-term planning. And what comes with that is the chance that things can go off the rails and you are gonna get destroyed. And that does not make it lend itself to a conducive family or educational right. environment. And so that's where tactical can tends to to crop up in these things. And I the other thing too is is I know that long term planning is of vital importance in everyday life in general. But the amount of split second decisions and changes that people have to make throughout a day that would fall under t- tactical yep. thinking is of utmost importance in life. You know, yep. the, amount, the amount of decisions that I'm making and pivoting throughout a day is just crazy. I'm not doing long term strategy thinking all the time, every day, but I am tactical thinking. So I think there's a strong value for that. Yeah. It, just a little sidebar on that I had a,
1: when I first became a principal, I asked a friend of mine who was an outstanding principal, I said, what's the one thing that I need to know as I go from the classroom to being a principal? And this person looked me in the eyes and said, you're going to make 700 decisions a day. You're going to make some mistakes. Deal with it. (laughs) I was just like, what? And that's not a skill that I was equipped for. And that's where, in the game schooling sense, I do see that... We keep coming back to tactical for a reason. And this week in preparing for Seven Wonders, that, that's kind of where, where I settled on with some of that. What do you have?
0: Uh, I, I did have tactical. Great. My next one is logistics. It's a game that allows students to manage production flow between the point of origin and the point of consumption. And the way that I see this is that there are what they call in this game, it would be like chaining, Oh, sure. And there's the idea of if I get this building, it will allow me to build another building for free. Without having to pay that. Yeah, Yeah, without having to pay the full resource cost. Because eventually you get to the third age and some of these things cost seven or eight resources, which you may not have. But if you've chained it. uh, and, And the other thing is there's that idea of building towards your wonder. Mm-hmm. and the idea of what, what resources you need to get to complete your projects. So not necessarily in a long-term strategy way. It's more of that fulfillment way of how can I get the stuff that I need to effectively allow me to build what I want to build yeah. and, and work in that direction. So that's what I was thinking with the logistics on that one.
1: Well, and especially if you go for certain tracks, you have to go all in on it and just figure – like if, if I'm going to go for science – I need or or military like we talked about earlier. that's what I'm doing and I just have to solve those problems to make that chain work. yeah so yep. yeah that that's that's good. I have responsiveness and we define responsiveness as a game that tests a student's mental reaction time and thinking about my neighbor, my neighbor to my left who's coming up after me and my neighbor to my right that just played, what it's funny are... I I thought
0: you literally meant your neighbors no. in real life, not your no, neighbor in the game. No, I would love to play
1: board games with my neighbors. <laughs> oh, we have great neighbors. I, man, you're giving me good ideas tonight, Doug. Um, what is it that my my neighbors are, are doing? Let me hop back on this train of thought here and try try to catch it where I was going. Um, responsiveness, responsiveness, neighbors. Oh yeah, I need to know what they are doing so that I'm aware of what they are doing and not feed my neighbor to my left. Uh, and, and make sure that the person who just played, I, I'm responding to what they're doing accordingly as well.
0: Yeah, and you got to make those decisions fast. Yeah, if you, yeah. you, you can Certainly, there's a there's a level of kindness that comes along and, and courtesy as you wait for people to uh, take their card. But if you're the guy that's taking three minutes to take a card every round, that's going to get get frustrating. Right. So that that responsiveness is resort, ra- rewarded. Uh, next one I have is competition, a, a game that uh, develops healthy competitive habits as two or more parties compete for a goal or reward that isn't shared. So in addition to the overarching um, winner of the game, there are these military battles that are happening at the end of each age based on your neighbors. Yep. So you're competing against your neighbors, but not the entire group as a whole. And so there's this mini-competition that's going on throughout the game that you're keeping an eye on. It's, okay, Michael's got some military over there. Jenna doesn't have any over there. Can I get away? What can I get away with? Should I go all in? And there's those little battles that are happening. There's the overarching battle. And then there's also, if you're playing in a smaller group, the idea of, oh, they just took a card that I wanted or I'm taking now? the card yep. that they want, yep. that or that I think they may need, and that little. But it's all subtle, which is the way that I like it. It's not direct in your face for the most part, and it's something that um, lends itself to healthy competitive habits.
1: Yeah, that's good. I, I didn't have it. It's on my short list. There are just so many skills in this game, no doubt. Yeah, and that's where I should have jumped in with the skill earlier. Um, it's similar to what you had stated, but I with when we were getting into logistics, I have resource management thinking about what I currently have and how can I upgrade that. There are different... Um, help me out here a little bit, Doug. I'm, I'm coming up shy for words, but there are certain cards that if I draft them, I will not need to buy... Uh, they'll count for currency, essentially, when I go to upgrade to future cards later on. And um, so yeah, it's, you cha-
0: you're, the, you're talking you're, about the chains. Yeah, I am talking yeah, about the yeah. chains.
1: It's that, and, and putting that together, um, that's that's where I have resource management.
0: All right, next one I've got is resilience, a game that te- teaches students how to quickly recover from and cope with difficulties. Now this is very prevalent in uh, the lower player counts, but it's still there in the larger player counts when you see that your neighbor, Took the card that you were hoping yep. was going to come around. To you. Yep. Whether you've seen that card or not, you know, and that's part of that chain too. Is it's like you know that that next upgrade card is in the next age. Yep. And you're waiting to see it, and you don't see it, and then you see your neighbor before you put it down. down. Yeah. And you're like, ah. Oh. You know, that I was, was a, waiting for that to come out on the table. Yeah. Just so not those, on your hand. You know, and in the smaller player count, when you see a card a second time, there's inevitably a time where you think. I want both of these cards. I'm going to take this one, and hopefully this one comes back around, Yeah. and when it doesn't, it's heartbreaking, or it can be, but the game moves so fast that I think it does a good job of training kids that it's not a big deal. Let's move on, and we can recover from this.
1: So I'm going to rewind what you just said. I want this card to come back around, but I don't know if it will, and that's where I'm going to uh, pair up my last two skills of risk management and time management and risk management for us is a game in which students must identify, evaluate and prioritize options to reduce the impact of unfortunate events or risks so that the idea of prioritizing is what I'm really locking in yep. on here. And this the, is
0: my last skill, by the way, too. Okay. The, which one?
1: Risk management. Risk management. Yep. yep. And, and with time works differently in seven wonders. Because of how time works in the game, I will always have this game on my shelf. So even though earlier I said my nitpick is, well, yeah, it's not my most favorite. Well, it's definitely in my collection because I don't have another drafting game where time moves like that. Mm-hmm. Where I feel there's no slowdown. There, It's all build up. And especially in that second and third age, while the clock is running down, there's that sense of, what is my priority right now? Because yeah. what I wanted to do in the first stage didn't happen. And so I, I get lost playing this game sometimes. And honestly, I, I've gotten to the point where
0: it's like, well, I'll just take a card. I'll take that card.
1: Yeah. Because, um, you know, that that's part of how the game unfolds.
0: Well, and I think that time management's a, a good one. And that was on my short list, too, of, of debating. Because there are cards at the end in the third age. They're called the guild cards. They're a yep. purple color. And they're cards that their entire purpose is they're giving you victory points based on what you have what done else previously. You have. Yep. Now, these are expensive cards to get. They cost a lot of resources. But if you can get them, it, it can give you a lot of points. The trouble is, is most of the time, once you get to that third age, you know, you know you're only going to be drafting and getting six cards that round. And you're trying to build your wonder, which requires cards. You're potentially trying to do some guild stuff. You know, get a guild or get that last science card. Yep. And it's that, that. Do
1: I take the risk on my first turn and second term and the third age, to get yeah. the payout on turns four, five, and six? Yeah. I mean that that's essentially the decision that that uh, you get faced with. Or everything's going to be a good choice here in these next three turns. But can I have
0: four great choices to end the game? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That, and that's the timer keeps. Counting down, and you're like, I gotta build this wonder. Do I give up this good card to build it now, or am, am I hope you know? Because sometimes you get card like uh, past the cards at the end. You get two cards on your last hand yeah. drawn to you, and it's like sometimes you can't build any of those, which is great if you have a wonder space open that you yeah. just like. oh, I'll save that there, but you know, we didn't explain that. Do we need okay. to back up and talk about so, the wonder space? So your, wonders, your wonder has three spots on it that require resources to build and you basically pay the resource cost and then you bury a card under your wonder board and once you've built all three of them you get you, you know your wonder board is, is complete and each level that you do uh gives you a bonus yeah, is either right. victory points or or something to that nature but uh that time time thing is real and the risk management is like you said the the prioritization is the key to that is Yeah, Can I afford to let this one go now? So
1: twice I've had this experience in the later, you know, where we're in the third round and midway to the end of the third round, and I'm staring down at my board, and I apologize. First time I ever played the game. Sorry, guys, because I felt like I was slowing things down. And even the last time, just you and I played. And ultimately – nobody seemed to notice because it slows down for everybody at some point in time in the game. And I I really
0: do do like that. There's not a timer
1: that there's just a limited number of turns.
0: Yeah. So that is seven wonders. As we said at the beginning of this segment designed in 2010, that's an 11 year old game that's still around, still widely regarded boatload of skills and is readily available. You know, it's, it's hard to believe that this is eleven years old. That this this came out. I remember. I think. I think my wife got it for me for Christmas. Oh, what if a good you, wife! Yeah, if you can imagine that, that's almost impossible to think of now. Is is any family member giving me a board game? Um, but
1: Doug says that sitting to his left are approximately one hundred seventy four games. I think you're underselling, but. <laughs> No, just to your left, just in the calyx. Yeah, Yeah, just that one. I
0: I did quick. Oh, good. Five by five. (sharp) 174, I'm like Rayman. Math magician here. Um, So there it is, Seven Wonders, a recommended game of the week. We uh, wholeheartedly endorse this one. And check it out if you have not heard of it. Now let's move on to the School of Gaming.
1: The School of Gaming. In the School of Gaming, we discuss concepts, keywords, etiquette, and helpful ideas in the world of gaming and education. This week, we'll be talking about attitudes in gaming, integrity.
0: Yeah. So this is something that Michael and I are strong proponents that there are what we call kind of core concept skills. These are skills that we don't talk about it as much as we should, and we're going to be sharing some of them over the next uh, several months as we go along here. But these are cons that are skills that are developed in every game. Okay, there's opportunities to develop these skills in every game. When we talk about Seven Wonders, we talk about Summer Camp, we talk about our recommended games of the week, and we talk about the skills that you can learn. Those are specific to those games, and they're not in every game. Not every game has opportunities for risk management, right. those, type, those type of things. But there are core skills that players can develop in every game. And attitude and the different attitudes are that. Yeah, and the core skills are really tied to the behaviors that the,
1: that the gamers present and and perform when they're at the table. And those behaviors that make up your culture. And so when we get into the attitudes of gaming, and we're really talking about the culture of game schooling, whether you're at home, classroom, in a library, uh, community center, wherever you're game schooling, uh, that, that's what we're talking about. And the attitude of gaming that we're focusing in on today is integrity.
0: Yeah, and integrity, one of the things that I wrote down on this is the idea of where you're, you can help your kids is that in board games, there are a plentiful amount of opportunities to cheat. Yeah. Right? You can cheat in a board game so easily- All day long. Without people noticing. You know, just just down- Have you ever down. done it? Not intentionally. I Not that I that. know of. Probably when I was little. Yeah. Um, when, And that would be a thing when you think that winning is the most important thing in the world. Um, but just quickly, I wrote down some of the ways that you could cheat- very is is like just peeking at extra cards when you shouldn't be able to grabbing extra resources i'm going to take three of these stone instead of two and nobody's going to notice i'm going to miscount a little bit when i'm scoring you know a lot of there's a lot of opportunities for independent scoring and opportunities where cheating could occur and i think that's one of the things that as educators as parents we need to focus on in instilling in our our children that you know, this is part of that magic circle of trust. Yeah, is that we're all playing. There's no need to cheat. Nobody's going to win large sums of money if you win the game. Nobody's going to think that you're a better human because you won the game. Nobody's going to think you're a lesser human if you lost the game. Yeah, and and some of these ideas that we need to instill to have integrity in gaming, and and then subsequently integrity in life.
1: Yeah, and I think we're uh game groups can typically be a very good model for that. I and I've shared this on the podcast before when I first got invited to come over and play board games, right? I here at your house, I could not believe how judgment-free the table was. And 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 talk about just a kind space where I could sit down and just play a game. It it was shocking. It was refreshing. Nobody was trash-talking or taunting in most of the games that I have played growing up or but you know any athletic contests. There's usually a little bit of banter back and forth. That's not what this was about. This was about getting together, having a good time, and and really engaging with the game.
0: We're not going to trash you on the first night. Well, but you didn't <laughs> on the fourth night or the fifth <laughs> night either. Like
1: this, this guy's colorblind, and he hasn't played board games in a
0: decade. We're going to bring him back? So, yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's one of the things. I mean, we'll get into more attitudes as we go along, you know. But, yeah, but let's get into this
1: one a little bit further yeah. about integrity. Yeah. So, what are some th- – go ahead. No, go ahead. What are some things you can do if you are facilitating, if you're the leader of a game schooling uh, environment center, wh- wh- whatever label you want to put on it, how can you foster an environment and build attitudes that are integrity-focused in,
0: in your setting? To me, to me, I think the biggest thing is that teaching that the, the gaming place is a safe space and that there's no reason and or benefit to cheating. Yeah, none. You know, that empty... It's like the idea of explaining to kids, okay, you won, but you cheated. Yeah. So does it really feel that great to win? Yeah. You know, and, and just kind of talking through some of those emotions and the results of some of those emotions. Like, great, you know, everybody... When you start out, you you feel disappointed when you don't win the game. You know, young players are you know have wear their emotions on their sleeve. You're going to have some kids that are going to get upset. You know, is it worth it for you to feel better when you're making other kids at the table upset because you cheated to win? That doesn't feel very good. And so I think kind of expressing it in terms that maybe that they understand or the idea. I think one of the things with my kids is. Having a hard time putting yourself in somebody else's shoes, sure, empathy. and I think yeah, and I think and a, another attitude that's will come up in the future, but I think the integrity is the thing that impedes empathy, sure right not having that integrity is what you don't see the the fruits of cheating, you know or the the vices of cheating, right? unless you start looking at it through other people's eyes and you say, well, what, how would you feel if Michael cheated? And you would have won yeah. had he not cheated. So
1: I think that's a direct way to yep. build integrity. I have a more um, implicit or indirect way to, to build integrity in your game schooling um, locale, and that is a post-game discussion. Post-game discussions require people Listen to one another, even if you're really excited and, and think now, not as adults or people in a podcast setting, but if you're in a classroom of any sort and you have kids talking about a yeah, yeah, they're all going to be wanting to talk next. And especially that that's how kids are. I don't care if they're eight, eight to 18, but when you allow a space for people to listen to one another that then fosters an environment where people can be focused on doing the next right thing when they're playing the game. Mm. And and I think that they're coupled together, that that sense of if you allow space for people to talk after the game, then during the game, good things are just going to happen. And maybe – that sounds a little too uh, pie in the sky, but when we're talking about you know, the magic circle and that's hyzinga homoludens 50 years ago of research, some of those things have really been, been brought out over time.
0: Well, and you bring up an interesting point, too, is the idea of there's a difference between your family members. You know, Maybe you've got two or three kids getting together to play a game. It's different when you're in a classroom setting. Maybe it's a classroom setting on the first day. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to take a dollar from somebody that you don't know, but you have some of those post game discussions. All of a sudden, you know the people that you're playing yep. with, and where before maybe it, it wasn't that big of a deal to to do something that I shouldn't to to Michael because I didn't know him. I don't know any of these people, so who cares? After you have a conversation, you spend an hour playing games with them. The next game, it's like eh, I don't want to do that. That's yeah. my friend. That's you know, and that carries over. From game to game. It's like you learn Once it with people. Once you have
1: people. a game group, it's set, right? The culture is set. And that's where I'm not saying you have to write down the rules, but but I've heard my daughters say to one another, that's not what we do here. That's not how we play games. And yeah. when you hear something like that of a, whoa, yeah, she's going to let her take her turn. She's not going to take take her sister's turn for her because that's not what we do. That's not right. Yeah um so the it, it's interesting to see that once once you build that space uh the players will will enforce the, well, the rules written well, and, and unwritten
0: isn't, and isn't there something to be said for the idea of dem- demanding excellence and the idea of saying we have a strict and, and this is going back to the cheating part of integrity but it's like there is a, a strict no cheating policy you do it you're out or or whatever and being rigid on that, and the idea of like, no, this. to your point, this is how we play. This is our rules. That's what it it is. It's not even open for debate. That's just end of discussion. We don't do it here. Yeah. And I think demanding that and setting up those guidelines go a long way, even though from the outside it may seem militaristic or very heavy-handed to say something like that.
1: Yeah, and I don't know, honestly, Doug, because this is something— this is a concept I've not put into action in, in the game schooling setting yet. It's one that you know, you and I have talked about long-term. We'd like to study. We'd love to go into different schools and work with homeschool. a long-term vision. That, that integrity piece is definitely in the long-term vision for future research topics. I, I think you're right, but I also think that the strength of the group could also be just as valuable as that heavy-handed militaristic where if there's something so appealing to just being welcomed at a table and being able to be yourself that I, I would like to think that it will bring out some of those behaviors that people associate with someone having integrity. Yeah. Um, but there, so, there there's some things that we know from playing board games. And, and as I'm saying right now, but not very succinctly, there are, there's a lot that I want, want to learn yet. And really diving into integrity in the game schooling sense is, is a future topic that I want to dive further into. But what I can tell you, folks, board games and kindness, they do go hand in hand. There's just something about the culture of we're playing this
0: game together that, that can really be positive. Yeah, and I think that's the, the key takeaway, like you said, that there's some things we don't know. Are all of the strategies sound? I don't, I don't know. But yeah. the thing I do know is that there are opportunities to develop these skills yes. every time you play, regardless of what the game is. All right, let's move on to the high five. If you're anything like us, you're constantly on the hunt for new games to try out. This week's High Five includes a top five list of family-friendly roll-and-write games, which I've modified to flip-and-write, roll-and-write, something where you're responding to... um, Games where you get stuff and write stuff. Yeah, get stuff and write stuff. There you go. (laughs) The get get stuff and write stuff games. So we thought we'd throw this one on the list as a uh, shout-out to fellow Dice Tower uh, personnel. Suzanne loves some rolling right. Over she there. she loves herself some rolling right. So we'll try and wade in on that. What do you got, Doug? All right, number five. I've got no m- honorable mention. No Yahtzee, maybe. Oh, stop! Yahtzee as a as the
1: I know grandfather
0: I know. Right. of rolling right games. Um, number five is Railroad Inc. Uh, railroad inc you roll dice it just recently recently released an app version of this tell me about it i've got about 50 hours of my life into that already (laughs) love it railroad inc you roll some dice and then you are using the symbols on that dice to fill out a railroad track and roads yep uh trying to connect um how would you
1: describe well there's roads and tracks it's on a little grid and your your whatever dice come up your putting those dice down on your grid and there's also different challenges and objectives that you're trying to carry out and wherever you have a road to nowhere or a track that go doesn't go anywhere uh, those are negative points so it's fast paced seven rounds um and it's it's very 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 difficult because of you don't know how the dice are gonna
0: get flipped yeah. up yeah uh well, you want to talk about uh, spatial perception and working yeah. that around the manipulation of how you're going to lay that track down is a, a big challenge. So that's my number five, Railroad Inc. Uh, my number four is probably the most complicated one on the list, and that is That's Pretty Clever or Gone Sean Clever. Mm-hmm. This is a dice game similar to a, a Yahtzee, you're rolling the dice, you're selecting some of those dice to cross off uh, parts on your sheet. The complexity comes is that there's different colored dice and they all score differently. So the green dice score in a different way than the purple dice, some you're trying to do collection, some you're trying to collect the, the or, uh, numbers in order, in ascending order. The blue dice, when you take one of those, you have to add the white dice to it. And you're crossing off numbers if you can get them in a line. So there's a lot going on in this one. And like I said, it's more on the higher end of the complexity. Although I don't think it's... What's the game, Doug? One more time. Gone Sean Clever or That's Pretty Clever. It originally came out in German as Gone Sean Clever. Uh, I think the Stronghold version is called That's Pretty Clever. Um, which is a rough translation, I believe. So that is my number four. Um, Ganz schön. Clever. Sorry. Oh, is that are you
1: from your German? Yeah, ja, Deutsch. Sprechen ein bisschen Deutsch.
0: Okay. Congratulations. Aber nicht sehr gut. <laughs> All right. Well, I call it the Americanized version. Okay. Ganz schön. Clever. That's pretty clever. Go <laughs> ahead. Sorry. All right. Number three. So this is kind of a predecessor to that's pretty clever, and one of the, what I would say kind of an innovative or innovators of the roll and write genre, which is Quicks, which came out and it takes this very simple concept of you have four colored dice, you're rolling them, you're picking two of them together and you're trying to cross off numbers. The numbers go from one to 12 and... Two of the two of the tracks are going up, and two of the tracks are going down. But once, so for example, say I cross off the two on the red track, and then I cross off the four, I can't go back and do a three. So it's that kind of race of like how tight can I push this to keep it jumbled together? Meanwhile, knowing that everybody else is racing, sure. and at a certain point, that track can get locked off by another player, and I may not be able to 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 mark off anything more on the red track. Yeah. So it's the very simplified version of, like I said, it, it was an innovative one when it came out. One of the first real roll and write games it was available at target. Um, there's a, a family version of it, uh, which has more players and uh, dry erase boards, but just a simple fun game. I played it with my young or my oldest when she was six or seven you know, so okay. not too complicated. Does it come in a tin? You kind of sound, sounded British when you said it. Oh, does uh, it come in a tin? Oh, uh, it. um. It's a game, no. right? Game. Okay. No, I it does game not. Right. I want to ask. Yeah. No, it you does not come I love in a tin. the tin. The tins, and no. you despise them. No, so we'll it does keep not that come in the tin. Weekly thread running.
1: All right. All right. Number Eight two. Weeks in a row.
0: Number two is welcome to. Uh, all right. So this is a game about putting numbers on houses in a subdivision and this is a flip-and-write game, so you're flipping over a card and, or several cards and then choosing which cards you want to write on your, your board. So this one, you're picking a number and a special action. So the special action may allow you to circle a swimming pool, and you are writing the house numbers in ascending order. Again, similar to quicks, if you bypass a number, you can't go back and fill it in. Er, you can't fill it, in. you got to go. And, right, you got to go in make order. Make a decision and go. Yep. And uh, so that's a, a great one with a little bit more theme than some of the other ones. Um, Any thoughts on that one? Have you played? You've played that, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Play it on it. I really like that game. It's on. It's on the short list to bring to the next family game night. Um, so I'm hoping to get, you know, eight soon to be nine year old, twelve year old, and my wife and I playing that game. Um, yeah.
0: Yep, and so number one is one that has really swept through the McCabe-Koteki households. Yes, it has. Is Silver and Gold. Silver and Gold. Which is Phil Walker Harding. Um, And that is a game where you are flipping over what basically amounts to Tetris-style pieces that you are then using to fill in that shape on treasure map cards that you have. And once you fill up a card, you grab another card. Yep. And I like that idea that you're moving through multiple cards through the game. And as you cross off certain shapes or certain boxes, they have little special abilities that allow you to do something else or cross off a different box somewhere else. And I've had fun with this with my kids. The, you know, this is one of those true family games that you can play with the young ones, the middle ones, the old ones and uh, the ancient ones. You know, you can you can play with them all and everybody seems to have a good time. And I like that sense of accomplishment of of completing the cards, you know, and moving on to the next one.
1: Yeah, so I'm noticing some themes here. So as Doug gives the games, I don't know the recommended games ahead of time. We 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 commit to that, it keeps it fresh and, and keeps us talking here and as he says a game i bring it up on bgg the site where the board games are because i want to know who the designer is the year and the publisher those are basic stats i'm looking for there are other stats that come up and there are definitely some themes with the roll and write guess the the highest weighted out, out of these games
0: which so one is a, there's the a highest a 5 weighted? point scale so yep. 5
1: would be like in a language that i don't understand and can't read and wouldn't <laughs> be able to play um, one would be one where you should be able, a 1.0, you should really be able to learn it in three to five minutes and be playing A
0: 1.0 it. is I roll a dice, Michael rolls a dice, and whoever is highest wins. Okay. <laughs> yep, okay. So you, you talked about, you know, that's pretty
1: clever, being one of the more complex games, I believe you said that, or one of the games. Yep. But what what do you think is the highest rated and the lowest rated? And Doug for, is for very good at this. Yeah.
0: For weight? I'm going to say that the lowest rated is Quicks.
1: The lowest rated is Quicks. Okay. At 1.12.
0: Okay. And the highest, I would say that's pretty clever. At 1.9. Okay. So the range,
1: they're easy. All of yeah. them yeah. are very easy. When I see a game that's 2.0 or lower, that's a game that I feel comfortable teaching my family and being able yep. to play. That's a game where. I could probably grab it in the middle of the day and, and teach it to one of my kiddos to get them off a the screen. Um, so that that was one thing that stood out. You know the other thing that stood out? What's that? Great designers, man. When I go through and give the designers at yes. the end, there are
0: some superstar game designers on this list, Doug. Well, and I think Roll and Write games, certainly for me, I, I can see I, I love them. For one, it, and, and some people might complain that they're too solitaire. You know, I'm just playing, playing myself, uh, not against everybody else. But to me, they're games that you play and immediately want to try again. Absolutely. And Be- that that internal puzzle that you're working out the entire time you're playing is f- awesome. Yeah. And the time
1: you yep. can get a lot of these games. Every single one of these games, the 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 ceiling is 30 minutes, and a lot of the games they say 15 to 30 minutes. Once you know how to play a game, you can get it done right after dinner, before bedtime. Hey, we've got a half hour. Let, let's sit down and play a silver and gold as a family. Let's get together. We haven't really gotten together the last couple of days. Everybody's been busy. That's one thing that I enjoy about the Roll and Write games. Well,
0: and something like Welcome, too, is you're only limited by the number of sh- sheets that sheets. you have. Yeah, You could play this with an entire classroom at one time yeah. and everybody playing together. So. There's a lot of cool things that roll-and-write games offer, and and we're just scratching the surface yeah. on this one. Yeah, it, it, that
1: that genre is deep. All right, let's do a five-to-one recap. Coming in at number five, we have Railroad Inc. 2018 from Halmer Hawk. I'm hoping that the H-J makes that H sound. That's how I went with it. Halmar Hawk from Horrible Guild. Uh, number four, that's pretty clever. Or...
0: Gone Chunk Clever.
1: There you go. Wolfgang Warsh, yes, great designer. Yes, also did Quacks of Quedlinburg and Taverns of Teventhal and that other game is it called Fuji over there Fuji. that I want to play? Cool. Yeah.
0: And uh, 2018 Stronghold games. Go ahead. I was thinking, did he do the Mind too? I think he's the designer I, of the Mind. Uh, yep.
1: Nah, you double check me on that one. Okay. Uh, number three, we have Stefan Bendorf's Quicks from 2012. That's by GameRight. And at number two, Benoit Turpin's Welcome to 2018, Deepwater is the 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 publisher for that one here in the United States. And number one, Silver and Gold 2019, Phil Walker-Harding, thank you for making such an awesome game that has brought joy and pleasure to
0: my family. And Wolfgang Worsch is the designer of the mind. Wonderful. So, that... <laughs> That is our episode. I want to thank you for listening today and encourage you to, if you're new here, to subscribe to the podcast, to like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter, at GameSchoolerU. And, again, we're happy to be part of the Dice Tower Network and want to thank you so much for spending the last hour or so with us. We really appreciate it.
1: Now get out there and start game schooling.